0: Listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. I think this was the first time I was told by some of the senior Sangha leadership to stay in the back until we come get you. <laughs> so, whatever happened, I'm hoping it was positive?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, okay? Thumbs up, Skip?
1: It was nicely done. Nicely done, <laughs> whatever it <laughs> was. Okay, <but> <laughs> anyway,
0: thank you. Uh, uh, thank you for coming tonight. Um, so, uh, I was... I was taken by uh, just a, a newscast that was looking at what happened yesterday, 100 years ago, and the uh, ending of World War One, and what um, a disaster, a disastrous correction that have felt, must have felt like to those involved um, uh, coming on the heels of the Spanish flu that killed millions coming on just as a precursor to World War II, which so many historians would argue is the offshoot of an incomplete uh, incomplete World War I. Wow, about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: That's okay.
0: That was rolling right there too, and then everybody else is so i got to check mine, <laughs> make sure mine's off, uh, uh, well, if it goes off. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but this idea, this idea that kind of came out of just seeing these uh, dr- this, this drone footage going over battlefield uh, graveyards and the sense, I mean, I've had that sense before, I've, I've, I've traveled pretty extensively and I remember seeing that in Southeast Asia, uh, uh, looking at these just massive graveyards that were, in this case, uh, there were Dutch Dutch soldiers. You saw, I'm sure, the bridge over the River Kwai, um, an incredible film, <clears throat> and you know just these just you know thousands and thousands of headstones. Or if you've been to Arlington National Cemetery, thousands and thousands of gravestone stones. All of them lives cut short. Um, and there's a tendency for us in those moments to kind of ask the question, why? Similarly, as we, we're watching California burn right now, and it's like, are we being punished? Is there a why? Well, I would argue that we want to be really careful about seeking at that level. If we're seeking for some type of understanding and justification, what we're really looking for are things we can cling to to give us stability. And I would argue that this practice offers us an alternative to that, which is let these tragedies, let these disasters, let these gravestones, let this rhetoric that's flying around, let it inspire in each of us a greater expanse. I mean, the other option is to let it inspire greater contraction. And that doesn't serve anyone. As a matter of fact, it perpetuates the unconsciousness. Um, We had a a newsletter that went out today and the question that came in uh, related to this idea of evil. Um, Evil. And Uh, By the way, if you didn't get the newsletter, there was, for whatever reason, a a series of people who registered uh, and it went to a different uh, uh, distribution list. So I'm going to send it out again. If you get it a second time, please discount it, okay? But the question I thought was really, really good. It was like, okay, look, how, how do we deal with evil in the world? And I would say evil is a great moniker, once again, it's a great name, to give the ego some stability. So it can ah, it's evil. Whew. Now at least I know what that is. Now I know how to fight against it. Well, this is all well and good if you want to stay locked in the egoic negotiation of up and down, right, wrong, black, white. The binary nature of ego, which rules pretty much most of the time. Here again, there's another path. And the other path is, instead of seeing it as evil, we can look at it as unconsciousness. And unconsciousness is more contagious than the common cold. And you can can test this out for yourself. If you've ever been around somebody who's deeply unconscious, what does it do? It tweaks your own. If you're in a situation... uh, uh, where someone, for instance, is being inappropriately ag- uh, ag- aggressive with you outside the Lafayette Post Office, you can, <laughs> you can, look, you can look at that. Within, you can look at that as as something to inspire your own openness, as opposed to, oh yeah, I paid my the fee for the post office box. Can it inspire? And all the stuff in the world that's kind of driving you personally nuts, can it inspire you in a different way? Who was it said uh, don't agonize, organize? I love that line. I, I, I wish I could remember who said it. I, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I'm not taking credit for it. Somebody said it. I thought it was really, it stuck, it stuck with me. Don't agonize. Organize and if that, does, and if you don't want to like organize a group, organize your mind so that your reactivity isn't inspired by someone else's contraction. With this in mind, I am so thankful for this teaching. Uh, I was looking at it today. My girls were very, very cute. It's, it, it was uh, uh, my daughter's... said. Uh, uh, My youngest daughter's birthday today. And um, uh, she and I got to spend some quality time together. Normally, the two of them are inseparable, but every once in a while, getting them one at a time is kind of cool. And uh, we were talking this morning over um, uh, uh, cereal and juice, and uh, I said, is it weird, weird without your big sister here? And she goes, "Eh, yeah, yeah, it's a little different, but you know, you're okay to hang out with dad. And,
1: I'm like, oh.
0: and uh, I go, well, well, thank you. I appreciate, appreciate that. You're pretty fun to hang out with, too. I know. You know so confidence, clearly. I don't know where she got that from. Uh, but the idea... The idea that we can be blind to the most important aspect of our life, which is gratitude. <laughs> and, and she she was watching this thing. I, was, I had the news on for a little while, and then um, I asked her if, she, if there was anything she wanted to watch. She said, yeah, not really, which is... I don't know why she... They're not into screen time, which is kind of cool. Uh, I am more than they are. Uh, but I was kind of plugged in, and she was seeing this, this thing came on, uh, an advertisement for... Christmas uh, holiday sale and so forth. And she goes, Daddy, it's so weird. It's like we went from Halloween to Christmas and everybody forgot about Thanksgiving and that's the most important holiday. And I'm like, Yeah, it is, sister. You're absolutely right. I mean, they're all important. Every day is beautiful and important. But this idea of gratitude. Carolyn uh, Mass, I think, said it once. She said, any authentic spiritual path begins with the first step called gratitude. Mm -hmm. That if we're seeking... I'm screwing up her line, okay? But you get the idea. First step, gratitude. And gratitude for what? Well, the fact is, we're alive. There's placement here. There's agency here that allows for us to affect change. To give more love. To generate openness. To become just a, just a, you know, become what we wish to see in the world. That's a pretty, that is a pretty amazing miracle. And I know I am Others, you know, get caught in the, you know, oh god, I'm out of paper towels, you know, or why is gas so expensive? I got to go electric, like I can afford a Tesla, you know. We, We can get into that cranky space, you know. So easy to get into that. the The idea that our first step begins with gratitude becomes so so important what is it? Ask yourself this question silently. What is it that you're, you're thankful for? The thanks, thanksgiving can be sometimes that quiet offering that can occur every morning. I have some friends that read uh, Promise of a New Day every single day when they get up. What a great little reminder. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever seen that. Promise of a New Day. It's a beautiful little book. Um, 365 reminders that get you to kind of go, oh yeah. Whatever it is, whatever it is to put you into that oh yeah space, cultivate it, cultivate it. Especially as we approach it, you know, into this this next week, before the zany kind of hits. Um, I, maybe it's already hit. I was in Broadway Shopping Plaza. You know, it's unbelievable. I, I just like I got to go home. <laughs> it was just absolutely crazy and of course the the great spiritual test for any of us to see how deep your practice has gone go into the parking lot at around 11am when it's really busy try to find a place and then check in with your body as you're driving around getting frustrated, it's a great spiritual practice, recommend that one, or you can go into Whole Foods parking lot now in Lafayette (laughs) dare you, I dare you that's a good one too Let those little things in life, let them remind you, oh yeah, more to let go of. More to let go of. And what is letting go? For you. We forgive. And what comes from that? Gratitude. So there's this cool little equation that you can live by. Try it for a day. Try it on, see how it works. But be grateful for what you have and forgive <laughs> what comes at you in a way that closes your doors. Be grateful for what comes at you. It gives you a chance to respond in a way from a place of release as opposed to a place of contraction. At least this is what the teaching tells us. Again, I mean the disclaimer is never take my word for anything I say, okay? Uh, just try it. These are just helpful, helpful tidbits from the Dharma um, that were uh, thrown at me constantly uh, in my training. So we can try that in a really uh, a generalized way here tonight as we sit still. As we sit still... Just allow for what is to be there. Just open yourself. To, if you're feeling stressed, oh man, just be right there with the stress. You know what that is? It's future mind. It's your mind carrying from the present into the future. What's the antidote? Follow that breath. Watch that stress. Watch that tension. The watcher is never tense. What happens if you're dealing with pain, a sense of loss? Maybe, maybe you're grieving over others who are feeling pain. Watch that grief. Watch it. You don't have to be caught by it. In watching the grief, what happens? You actually generate a deeper compassion for those that are suffering. In watching our stress, and we recognize that that stress takes us out of the present moment we develop wisdom. We develop wisdom and compassion and bring it right together in front of us, behind us, through us. That's the practice. We do it again and again and again and again. And it doesn't matter what your tradition is. It doesn't matter what your spiritual orientation is. The only thing you have to be is conscious. Talk tonight about one of the ways we um, stay stuck in, if you will, an egoic place, or if you will, an unenlightened spot, uh, and it's we are locked into our sense experiences. Um, If we can look at sight, sound, taste, touch, feeling. Sight, sound, taste, touch. feel. That's it, right? Sight, sound, taste, touch. And in those spaces, think about those things that you desire most. And maybe they shifted over time. Um, I remember not giving a hoot about the aesthetics of things when I was younger. But I was really into music. Right? So I was into hearing, input here but I didn't really care about the aesthetic and then that shifted a little bit especially as I, believe it or not, as I moved out of my my childhood home, as I got to college and I realized you know what Um, I don't like having roommates that are really messy and furthermore I would much rather have this this is going to sound so funny I would much rather have this painting this Monet on my wall um, even though it's framed poorly and, and, you know, cheap, I'd rather have that there than a picture of, uh, you know, some pinup girl, Tawny Katane on uh, the hood of a Z-28 or something like that, like my roommate did. You know? What? She's got, like, really nice... Hey, thanks. But... Hey. Eh, wasn't anything that I didn't... It wasn't that I didn't like the female form or anything, or is he thought, are you gay? You know, it wasn't that. <laughs> It was that I just thought the water lilies is kind of cool. I, I like waking up to that more than Tawny Katane on the hood of a car. Um, I didn't have to, to live with the roommate very long, fortunately, but, but you get the idea. Suddenly, things shifted. Now, I still liked music, but now there was a visual piece that kind of came into it. I'm using this as a very crude example, but if you consider, like, what do you cling to in your senses? Do you always have to, for instance, feel a certain way? Are you, do you cling to feeling good? Pleasure? Physical pleasure? Are you in one of those spaces? Um, that's a real seductive one because it, it hits us at our, you know, lizard brain. You want to feel good. Freud even had the term pleasure principle that that he kind of locked in here. And it makes a lot of sense, actually, that we want to do things that maximize physical pleasure and minimize minimize discomfort. Um, Oddly, there is a path through these experiences, through these experiences, that take us to a much more expansive realm. It is difficult because our day-to-day world reminds us of others' pain and our own. We're reminded of... I mean, I, I, I'm overwhelmed when I think of what these, these poor people are dealing with just, you know, in the state of California right now. This is tough stuff and it's inspiring me. I'm kind of looking at... I've got a friend who's... Uh, she started a neat little fundraiser that I'm going to attention to, but is there anything else I can do in my position as a professional or personally that that might inspire generosity in in myself and others? You get the idea? So you've got, in other words, all these challenges that come your way, and can you use them to help you get to a place where you can be helpful? Helpful. In Buddhist parlance we call that a bodhisattva A bodhisattva is somebody who is helpful Somebody who's helpful to the greater cause And they, they don't necessarily deny themselves in the process We call that a Catholic saint I'm kidding But you know, I always thought that was really weird You know, these people who would you know kind of flagellate themselves You know, oh, I'm giving to the greater good It's like, well aren't you part of that? No, I hate myself you know, I, I never understood that at all and so when I was watching uh, this kind of unfold in me, my spiritual work, what was really so interesting about the bodhisattvas, the bodhisattva had to give space for herself or himself in the process of giving. We talked about that a fair amount. But the physical world is alluring. It's alluring. And it is beautiful. It's magical. It's wonderful. It should not be denied, but it should not be the alpha and the omega point in experience. Now, those five senses, as I've talked about many times before, albeit seductive, they do give us a way into uh, a sixth sense in the Buddhist teaching. It's kind of cool. Uh, The sixth sense is the mental space. In Western thought, we look at the sixth sense as something metaphysical, right? Like I have a sixth sense, oh, he's, he's giving a dark, he's read my mind. No, I have not read your mind. I'm talking about super duper generalizable things. That, have you ever read, mistakenly read the wrong horoscope and gone, oh, that is so
1: true.
0: Oh. I'm, I'm not a Pisces. Scorpio, but they both, Taurus works too. (laughs) (laughs) Aquarius is on today too. Ah, I happen to be, I get in uh, disagreements all the time with people about astrology, but still, you get the idea. It's the same thing, same thing that we're kind of talking about here in an interesting way. The sixth sense is a sense of what we might call, if we're at least looking, at, leaning into the the Buddha sense of things, it's it's the mental constructs we have about everything in the physical world. So in this physical world, you have thoughts about what you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you touch. Sure. What you smell. (laughs) John O'Day, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It's it's true. It's true. Like all these things, these thoughts and so forth. I had a uh, a glass of, it was a, uh, a, a, a glass of wine. It was a taste of this really cool red on a pretty mediocre meal. But I just had this, It's like, oh my God, that is beautiful. What a great... And I, and I could watch my mind go into this, this space of how I've missed, I've, I've not been into my wine tasting as I have in the past, and I felt like I've gotten kind of out of practice, and I suddenly went in man, wouldn't it be cool if I could ever and then and it was like Err! huh isn't that interesting all the sixth sense that's blending now into one of the junior five the stories affiliated with that the story I just told you about the, the, uh, the, the visual field, you know, the aesthetic. What are your stories that your mind has written and authored about those thing, the five senses in the physical world? In this mental space, in this sixth sense, if you will, there is yet more to go. And we can see this as our seventh sense. This is our sense of time. Every one of us has a sense of past. Every one of you could write a biography right now about something that's happened, or how it's happened, how it's unfolded to get you here. Past. That's time. Every one of you in this room, myself included, could write a story about something that has not happened yet, but we are either worried about, or we can't wait for it, or something in between. It's time. Our seventh sense is our sense of time, our past and future orientation okay If you're like most suburbanites in the West, we tend to lean towards future. Our sense of future becomes very uh, much a, 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 a significant aspect of our reality and as a result it might explain the amount of heart disease we have because we're all tense. Of strokes we have. Okay? We're, we're tense about what might come. It's, it's not here yet, but it might show up. The other option is going into a place of past, and that's generally pain related. And there's a slight difference between pain and stress, but in the seventh sense, our sense of time orients is typically. In a greater or lesser sense on one of those two ends of the tilt. It's very rare that we are right in the middle. In fact, when we are, all sorts of crazy stuff starts to happen. When we are in the middle, we are neither in past, nor we are in, we are neither in past nor future, we are in the now. And when we are in the now, then we go to the eighth sense. This eighth sense is what we call the witness. When you're in the present moment, that means you can watch things. You can watch a feeling arise. You can watch an appreciation for something that you've seen arise and not get caught by it. There's a really interesting hike I was taking with a, a, a monk. He's a friend of mine, He's a senior student of uh, you know where I was a resident. And we were taking this this hike, and it was largely in silence, which was weird, but pretty cool actually. I didn't have to say anything, and he and I were pretty we were good, we were good friends, and so it was, you know it was kind of nice. Just didn't feel like you had to carry on a conversation. But I remember I remember asking him uh, quite pointedly, um, looking out over the Pacific Ocean, and gone through this you know great hike up this great hill in Marin. And uh, I said, oh my gosh, is it okay to appreciate its beauty, the ocean's beauty? And his response was, sure, as long as you don't get caught by it. Let's go back. I was like, what a great comment. As long as I don't get caught by it. How do I not get caught by this majesty? Well, just be right there with it. It's going to make you burst into tears. Throw you onto the ground so if you kiss the ground, think, goodness I'm alive, great. But just be intimate with that. Don't call it beautiful so you can stabilize the whole experience. And that's what the mind tends to do. Tends to want to label things, sixth sense, label things that it's experienced in the experiencing in the junior five senses, so it remains stable. <clears throat> By the time we get to witness in that eighth sense, We can witness our relationship to past and future. We can witness our relationship to our mind and the stories it continually writes. We can witness our relationship to our first five senses and how, yeah, they're there. They seduce constantly. But we can watch that pattern of seduction. We can watch its pull and not get caught by it at that eighth sense. But what happens when we can witness the witness? What happens when there's a reflexive relationship we have with the witness itself? We're able to actually stabilize even a little bit more, back up, if you will, a little bit more. So we're not only in the first five senses. We're not in mind. We're not bound by past and future. We're witnessing this whole thing, but as we start to back up even more, even more fully, we are spirit itself. This is what we call cosmic consciousness, where the body and the mind drop, where agency, instead of being felt like here, me, mine, I, I, me, mine, instead of that, all of that kind of falls away into this grand cosmic giggle. An infinite smile. Where all things equally support all things. And we're just part of that dance. We are emptiness dancing, as Adi Shanti, I think, pointed out beautifully. It's just. <sighs> and we brush our teeth. <laughs> and we make sure we get gas in the car. And we contribute to the world as best we can as in, in, in the most instructive way, the most generous way as possible. This, at least, is the teaching, again. Alright? We can begin to gain a perspective, really interesting perspective on everything from this vantage point. Because it is at 160,000 feet, and it's on the ground at the same time. Okay? That's Buddhahood. That's Christ consciousness. That's awakening. And it's available all the time. It's not like it's... I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's nothing really special about it. Except that it will radically alter your life for the rest of it. You know? So, I think as we enter into this space of Thanksgiving, as the holidays start to to approach, use this model. You know, let those five earthly senses let let them be there. They just just develop a relationship with them, where you can see how your mind or your ego, if you want to call it that, your sixth sense kind of creates stories about all those things, and how the ego also relates to past and future, and how it ties those stories about past and future into what's going on in the senses. But then. The gift is you can begin to watch this entire charade play out on the stage of mind. You're in the audience. You're just watching this this stage play, and it's like you can pinch your, yourself. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is what's real. The I'm in the audience. Involved. What's going on right now is really entertaining, but I don't have to be bound by it. It's an option. It's a choice at that point to continue watching the play, which is kind of fun or imbuing the play with ultimate meaning which gets to be kind of disastrous it's like we're living in a house of cards at that point instead you can do kind of both, you can be in the audience and know that that's the fundamental reality but then what's going on on the stage play in time in mind and in the senses is just fine and you have to be there on some level. You have to get out of it. It's no good being a spiritual couch potato. That doesn't help anybody. But we begin to develop a more expansive sense of who and what we are and who and what we could be for the benefit of all beings. We get to play in a much bigger arena. Much greater set of options are available to us. if you will, a, a, a much broader color scheme is on the palette with which we can begin to paint a little more. So, with that in mind, from my heart, I wish all of you a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. First step is that gratitude, that forgiveness, and you couple that with openness, and man, you've got a life. Even a life that's going to make, it cannot help but make impact in really constructive and positive ways for all, all people. No matter where they are, no matter what they're feeling. And it helps us from getting locked into uh, 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 either undesirable states or states that we feel like we can't break out of. You're never locked in any of those if you can recognize that there's always a place to kind of expand. That your soul can expand into something that's even beyond your soul, but something much, much bigger. A collectivized openness that we all share. I've got
1: a question. Sure, Tom. It just kind of is going around in my mind. And, and, you know, we talk about your, your thinking, your feeling you're watching, you know, you've got And the, the emphasis seems to be at times that we want to back away and be the watcher uh-huh. and be able to see everything and let it play out without becoming necessarily part of it or involved in it. And at the same time, part of me is thinking, maybe it's my ego, is thinking, but don't you have to, don't you want to be a participant? At some point don't you want to be a player? I mean do you constantly want to be in the audience or do you want to be on the stage at some point sometimes?
0: So being in the audience, the cool thing about this that and I think there's a real natural kind of miss that that we can, that we, can uh, we can overlook one's really important piece of this is the witness is not. Outside of the experience, the witness is just watching as the participation is going on, and one of the best ways Thich not Han and remember talked about this one of the best ways to kind of uh, uh, observe that is to observe the artistry and the wholeness of washing dishes this feeling of soap, the feeling of of you know getting that squeak on a dish.
1: And, Yeah,
0: and that is satisfying. I don't care who you are, it's satisfying, you know? And then either you put it in your your dishwasher, or if your dishwasher is like mine, I have to clean it entirely and then put it in my dishwasher and hope that the water's hot eventually, you know? But still, it's being right there with it as you're doing the dishes, it's being right there with it as you're cooking. You're not multitasking, you are singularizing your experience, Uber, okay? And you can be witnessing and participating at the same time. You can also then go from that experience into an argument with a coworker in exactly the same way. And what you're doing is you're bringing you're bringing a much broader, open awareness into something that is trying to get everybody to be contracted. That and, and what happens is that open awareness, the contraction, finds that open awareness utterly and it cannot exist in that form. So it either opens up or it leaves the room. So this is really practical. It's really useful. It's not, oh, I'm just a witness. Everything's fine. No, everything is perfect as it is. That doesn't mean it's all fine. It's perfect because it's all part of the great cosmic throb. However, there are things that really could use our conscious participation, right? So it's not like we go away when we begin to witness things. It's actually we go deeply in, we become connected, so connected to what's going on, but we're not attached. Does that kind of make sense? It's mm-hmm. a really good question, and so commonly, you know, bastardized and mis- misinterpreted. You because
1: I was doing that real back away. And- everything's okay, and it's not that. It's it's getting into it, and yet at the same time, seeing everything
0: clearly. It's getting into it. You are at a place of clarity, and you're at a place of integrated, free-functioning consciousness in the middle of it, which means you are the eye in that hurricane. You're right in that eye. But you're still in the hurricane Mm -hmm. of life. You're just right uh, if you look at the wheels, the wheel of samsara, you see those artistic representations. We talked about this before. The, witness, the witnessing awareness of the bodhisattvas that are on the outside of the wheel. They are still right there with the wheel, but they're just not being whipped around by it. But they're still right with it. Life happens, shit happens, but we're right there with it. We're not, you know, looking somewhere else. Yeah. Great question. Good one. Are we are we done tonight? It's really interesting. just—I'm I'm looking out there. Here's a look on everybody's face.
1: It's like I
0: created a bunch of zombies or something. Are you okay? We
1: are you what? We are
0: complete. You are. <laughs> you are all complete. You've always been complete tonight. You're right. (laughs) right. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Really appreciate it.